Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is, Hello, My Name Is, Part 4, Bearing the Name of God, recorded Sunday, August 27, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Brendan with today's message. Anyone here ever take an Uber before? Anyone ever take an Uber ride? Yeah? If you have, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, it's a ride-sharing service. You open up an app on your phone, tell it where you want to go, request a ride, and then someone's there to pick you up. Well, a few years ago, I took an Uber trip that I will never forget. It happened at 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning. This was during a season when my wife and I were down to one car, and I needed to go in early to the church where we were working at the time. And so I let Rachel have our car, and I took the wildest Uber ride of my life. One reason why I'll never forget this ride is because of something the driver said as we were pulling up to the church. No exaggeration here. When he saw the church sign, he looked up into the mirror, straight into my eye, and said, Hey, I know this place. This is the best freaking church in the whole dang city. (laughs) Only he didn't say freaking. (laughs) And he didn't say dang. This is the best... Church in the whole city. You fill in the blanks. Actually, don't. (laughs) Let me tell you, as a minister, you never forget when someone uses a pair of curse words to compliment your church. (laughs) Now, don't go around saying that about Third City. Definitely don't go up to Scott saying that about Third City. That alone made this trip unforgettable. There's something else that stands out about this ride, and it's actually the first thing my driver said to me. Before we ever met, before I even had the chance to say hello, he said, Brendan, wow, what a name. Sounds like a guy who's up for an adventure. Now that right there is something you never want to hear from an Uber driver, (laughs) especially on a Sunday morning at 5 a.m. My first thought was either this guy's working really hard for a tip or he's going to kill me. 50-50 chance. (laughs) Brendan, wow, what a name. Sounds like a guy who's up for an adventure. It's interesting. This guy knew nothing about me. But before I had spoken a word, before I even stepped into his car, he made an assumption about me based on my name. Maybe that assumption changed over the course of the ride. At the very least, he learned that I worked for the very best freaking church in the whole dang city. (laughs) But he made an assumption about me based on my name. Now, if you're like me, you may not care a whole lot about what some random Uber driver thinks about your name. You probably prefer that your Uber driver doesn't think anything about your name. But you probably do care about what others think when they hear your name, about what kind of reputation you have, or if people even know your name. We're in this series called Hello, My Name Is, where we're talking about names. A few weeks ago, Dan talked about how we might need to shed some false labels we've acquired over the years. After that, Josh talked about how we might need to embrace better labels for ourselves. Labels that say we are known and valued and loved. But what happens when we try to be known, valued, and loved, not through what God says, but through what we do? What happens when we measure our self-worth not by who we are as children of God, but through what we achieve? 
What happens when our life's purpose becomes more about making our own name than the name of God? Today I want to look at a story in the Bible where a group of people try to make a name for themselves. And what we'll discover as we work our way through the story is the total waste of this kind of effort and the way to gain a name that really matters in the end. And so if you have a Bible with you, you can open it up to Genesis 11. We're going to be looking at a story there. And if not, it's okay. All the words will be on the screen. We're going to be looking at the story of the Tower of Babel. And beginning in Genesis 11, verse 1, the story starts like this. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Okay, let's stop there for a second. I want to give us some context. So this story is set in a land called Shinar. Now Shinar isn't a term we use anymore, but when Genesis was written, this was the title for an area that we now know of as southern Iraq. Here's a map which shows the area. It's highlighted in purple along the Persian Gulf. Sometimes we call this the cradle of civilization because this is where we see a lot of first things happening. It's where we first see farming, it's where we see the invention of writing, and it's where we see the emergence of cities and buildings like what we read about in the following verses. So let's read on. Picking up in verse 3, it says, They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. All right, stop there for a minute. So what we're reading here is a description of a major building project. These people decide to build an entire city out of bricks, and not only that, but also a tower that reaches to the heavens. I want to talk about this tower for a minute. Scholars generally agree that this tower was a building known as a ziggurat. Here is a ziggurat for reference. If you know of Abraham in the Bible, this ziggurat was from his hometown. Abraham would have seen this exact ziggurat, only it would have been about twice as tall as it is today. Now, why did people build ziggurats? One reason was because they believed these buildings could give them access to the heavens. That's why you see these stairs on the ziggurat. The idea is that they were like ladders or staircases to the heavens, just as we read in verse 4. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. But that's not all. There's another reason why people would make ziggurats, and not just ziggurats, but any major buildings in the ancient world. And we can see this if we read on in our story. So reading verse 4, again, these people say, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. The people wanted to build a city and a tower so that they could make a name for themselves. And what I find interesting is that this is consistent with what we find in the archaeology of the area. At that time, people believed that if they completed major building projects like this, then they could make a name themselves. For example, we found an inscription by Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian king, 
where he wrote about how he made his name through a major building campaign. Here's what he wrote. The fortifications of Esangula, that's the name of a temple in Babylon, and Babylon, the city itself, I strengthened and made an everlasting name for my reign. He made a name for himself through a major building project. We can also see evidence of this on thousands of bricks we've excavated in the region. It was very common for people back then to bake bricks, stamp their name on the bricks, and then use the bricks in their building projects, just like we read about in Genesis 11. Here's a brick which describes a guy named Ornamu, the one who actually built the ziggurat we looked at earlier. It says, Ornamu, the king of Ur, the king of Sumer and Akkad, the one who built the temple of Enlil. Ornamu made a name for himself by stamping his name on bricks and then using them in his building projects. The point is that people back then believed they could make names for themselves through major building projects, just like the one described in Genesis 11. And here's why they did it. Like us today, people back then tied their identity and their value to their names, perhaps even more so than today. They believed that names contained the essence of a person. In fact, they believed that if they could make a name for themselves, if they could make their names be known and remembered by future generations, then there would be a sense in which they themselves would live on even after they died. It's the way they dealt with their insecurity about death. It's a way they thought they could gain eternal life. Now, in our culture today, we may not think we can gain eternal life by making a name for ourselves, but we'd be kidding ourselves if we didn't think that we also try to make names to deal with insecurities. Insecurities like fear and failure and loneliness and rejection. We also try to make names to deal with insecurities, and we make names in similar ways by building towers and climbing ladders. For instance, we try to make names by climbing social ladders. How do we do this? Well, we try to befriend someone we perceive as being above us. Because we think if we can befriend someone above us, we can move up a step. And then we try to befriend someone even further up the ladder. Because we think if we can befriend someone even further up, then we can move up another step. And we just keep doing this and doing this until we've moved up and up the social ladder. I remember a conversation I had with a student I used to mentor this kid was brutally honest. He didn't really care about giving the right church answer. He just sort of said whatever he thought. And I remember him saying once, you know, whenever I walk into a room, I always try to find the most popular person and hang out with them. And anybody I see as being below me, I just tune them out. And I remember thinking, that sounds terrible. And I told him that. <laughs> the honesty went both ways. I said, that sounds terrible. But it's so true. And it is, isn't it? Haven't you done something like this before? Maybe you're in a room, mid-conversation, talking with a coworker, a friend, maybe someone else. And then in walks someone with influence. In walks someone with status, money, popularity. 
And all of a sudden, you start shifting your attention away from that person to this new individual. Because whatever that person was, they can't offer you what this new person could. Now, I'm not saying there aren't situations where this might be appropriate. I mean, if Jesus walked in the room this morning, I hope you would tune me out. (laughs) But we have to be really careful about how we view other people. Because when we start viewing people less as persons and more as stair steps, then we're really no different than the tower builders in this story. We're just trying to make names for ourselves to overcome insecurities. Another way we try to make names for ourselves is by building towers out of our accomplishments. How do we do this? Well, we try to achieve, to get the right jobs, to get promotions, to do things that capture other people's attention. We think that if we can do great things, then we make a name for ourselves, and in so doing, overcome insecurities of things like failure or rejection. If I'm being honest, this has been a struggle for me most of my life. Growing up, I always wanted to be the best at whatever I did. And when you grow up in small-town Iowa, you're bound to be the best at something. The odds are in your favor. But I wanted to be the best at everything. I wanted to have the top grades. I wanted to be the top athlete. I wanted to be the top musician. And why? Was it because I was competitive and wanted to win? Yeah, sure. But it was also my way of dealing with insecurities about loneliness and rejection. I thought if I can impress people by what I do, then they're bound to like me. And the things we learn as kids aren't so easily undone as adults. To this day, it's easy for me to give into the lie that says that my value as an individual is equivalent to the value of my work. That who I am is measured by what I do. And so I tried to achieve, and achieve, and achieve. Now the truth is, I've never built the tallest tower. I've never climbed to the top of a ladder. I've never really been the best at anything. But there is one thing I know about ladders. Ladders only go so far. Ladders can always be taller. And if your motive in building a tower or climbing a ladder is to make a name for yourself to heal insecurities, those ladders are never going to be tall enough to get you where you're trying to go. Has anyone here heard Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech? A few of you. Hall of Fame speeches are usually opportunities for people to praise and thank people who've helped them along the way. Well, Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech was as unique as the man himself. He praised and thanked a few people, but mostly he taunted. He taunted the Bulls organization. He taunted former competitors. He taunted his own kids. He said, I wouldn't want to have to be you, to have to grow up in my shadow. He even taunted old high school teammates and coaches. I don't know if you know this story, but when Michael was in high school, uh, he just barely missed making the varsity team by one spot. Another student got that spot ahead of him. Well, Michael invited that old teammate out to his Hall of Fame speech so he could talk to him and through him to his old high school coach. And to the coach, here's what he said. He said, I wanted to make sure you understood 
you made a mistake. The sports writer Adrian Wojnarowski summarized the speech this way. Here's what he wrote. He said, this wasn't a Hall of Fame induction speech, but a bully tripping nerds with lunch trays in the school cafeteria. He had a responsibility to his standing in history, to players past and present, and he let everyone down. When basketball wanted to celebrate Jordan as the greatest player ever, wanted to honor him for changing basketball everywhere, he was petty and punitive. Jordan revealed himself to be strangely bitter. You won, Michael. You won it all. And yet he keeps chasing something that he'll never catch. And why do I tell this story? Is because the kid in me is still sad about how his teams crushed my favorite teams back in the 90s? No. Well, that is true. I tell it because it shows that even if you've made your way to the top of a ladder, just like Michael Jordan did with basketball, it doesn't mean you've gotten where you really need to go. What did that last line say again? You won, Michael. You won it all. And yet he keeps chasing something that he'll never catch. If your motive in building a tower or climbing a ladder is to make a name for yourself to heal old insecurities, those ladders are never going to be tall enough to get you where you're trying to go. And if we keep reading the story in Genesis 11, it reveals this in such a profound and ironic way. Picking up in verse 5, it says this, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. Stop there for a second. Do you see the irony here? Let me read the verse again. It says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. Catch this. The people wanted to make a name for themselves by building a tower that reaches to the heavens, but this tower was so small that God had to come down from the heavens just to see it. The people wanted to make a name for themselves by building a tower that reaches to the heavens, but the tower was so small that God had to come down from the heavens just to see it. The tower never really reached the heavens. It never got them where they were trying to go. It was so small that the God who can see everything, Scripture says nothing is hidden from his sight. That God had to come down from the heavens just to see it. And this isn't a contradiction, by the way. It's not that God couldn't actually see the tower from his vantage point. He could. This is just straight-up sarcasm. It's what I like to call ancient Near Eastern smack talk. It's the Bible's way of saying it was too small. It didn't get the people where they wanted to go. It never really reached the heavens. And there was something else the tower failed to do. Picking up in verse 6, it says this. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come. Let us go down and confuse their language. They will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth. And they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. 
From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Now think about this. Why did they want to build a tower? To make a name for themselves. Did they make a name for themselves? Look back through the story. What are their names? We don't know. We don't know their names. They're nameless. In that culture, the common belief was that major building projects could give people a name. This building project was as big as any other, and yet, from the Bible's perspective, they didn't have a name that mattered. They didn't make a name for themselves. From the Bible's perspective, there is only one way to get a name that matters. Do you know how to get that kind of a name? If you're in your Bibles, turn to the very next chapter, Genesis 12. Here we're introduced to a character named Abram, better known as Abraham. In Genesis 12, God calls to Abram, a person who lived in Shinar, who lived near that ziggurat we looked at earlier, and notice what God says to him. Beginning in verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. In other words, be willing to leave behind everything that gives you security in life. <clears throat> everything you've been working for. Step out in faith. Trust God. And if you do that, then, verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. How did Abram or Abraham get a great name? A name that truly matters? A name which, by the way, is quite possibly the most well-known name in the history of the world besides the name of Jesus? How did Abram get that kind of a name? By stepping out in faith and trusting God. From God's perspective, how do we get a name that matters? A name that actually overcomes the problem of death. A name that actually gives eternal life. A name that actually heals insecurities. By stepping out in faith and trusting God. See, what scripture teaches us is that a name isn't ours to make. It is God's to give and ours to receive. A name isn't ours to make. It is God's to give and ours to receive. Now here I feel I should say that there's nothing wrong with having a name that is known by other people. That's certainly our dream for you here at Third City. Our hope is that you are known, you know others and are known by others here at our church. And there's nothing wrong with doing great things. I hope every one of you does great things. God may in fact call you to do great things. But if your motive in doing great things is to make a name for yourself so you can heal insecurities... Those towers are never going to be tall enough. They're never going to get you where you're trying to go. And whatever name you make for yourself won't matter. It'll be here today and gone tomorrow. Do you really want to settle for that kind of a name? I don't. Do you remember what my Uber driver said when I took that trip a few years ago? Not the part about the church, but the other part. He said, Brendan, wow, what a name. Sounds like a guy who's up for an adventure. 
The Bible teaches us that if you are up for an adventure, if you are willing to step out in faith and trust in God, then the God who is taller than any tower, who is higher than any ladder, will look upon you and me and say, wow, what a name. That's the kind of name I want. And if it's the kind of name you want to, it's really simple. Not necessarily easy, but really simple. All you have to do is step out in faith and trust in God. Let's pray. God, as we come to the communion table, we look to Jesus. Jesus, who Scripture tells us is the name above all names. And I think about how he got that name above all names. When he had everything available to him, when he was at the top of the ladder, he did not consider equality with you something to be grasped, but instead he took the nature of a servant. This is what Philippians tells us. That he was obedient, even obedient to death, death on a cross. And it was there in that place of faithful obedience, God, that you gave him the name that is above all names. And so, God, as we, we take this communion, reflect on his death, reflect on his sacrifice, reflect on what Jesus did on our behalf. We consider how we can be more like him, to imitate his act of faith, his faithfulness, so that we can have names that would be considered great in your eyes as well. God, would you encourage us, challenge us, help us see how we can do better to be more like him, to be more like you. This we pray in your name. Amen. So what I want to do now is speak specifically to a couple of groups in their own. First, there are some of you here who have lived your whole lives thinking that the way that you can get closer to God is through your works, through your achievements. That you can be saved by what you do. But what we've been learning here is that God isn't impressed by the measure of our achievements. What he cares about is the quality of our faith. And that's really the message of the cross. There's nothing you can do, nothing you can say, nothing you can achieve that can climb your way to God. But good news, Jesus has achieved a way. He's the ultimate ladder. He's the ultimate tower. He can actually get you there. All that he asks is that you step out in faith and trust him. And so this morning, if this is you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never surrendered your life to him, if you've never entered in the waters of baptism and said, God, I want to give you my whole life, my whole self, would you do it? Would you trust him? Would you step out and just say yes? If you want to say yes today, I encourage you, talk to someone. Let someone here know. Don't leave this place without telling someone about it. In fact, go to the hub if you want. They'd love to connect you to a minister uh, that's part of our staff, and they'd help you process this decision. But it's the greatest decision you can ever make with your life. And then there are others of you here today who you have made a decision to follow Jesus, but maybe you haven't really surrendered at all. Or maybe God has placed a call on your heart, and you're waffling. You want to be faithful to God, but you're not sure you want to leave behind everything that he's calling you towards. Here's what I want to say about the Christian life. Following Jesus may cost you everything you have. It cost Abraham everything. He left behind family, friends, his livelihood, everything he'd been working towards to follow this God he had never met before. 
And yet, God gave him more than he could have ever dreamed or imagined for his life. The cost was high, but God's faithfulness was higher. And it's the same for you and me. Whatever God has placed in your heart, whatever it is that God wants you to surrender, to lay at his feet right now, would you do it? Would you step out of your own ambitions and into the story that God is writing for your life? Because when you do that, I truly believe that his story for you will be much bigger and better than the story you could have written for yourself. And so if that's you, again, don't leave here without talking to someone about it. Let someone know, what do you need to surrender so you can live more fully into the story God is writing for you? Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.